This marks the 10-year anniversary of my engagement with my wife. This holiday weekend, it's July 4th weekend. So, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a good mark for us. Uh, 10 years, that sounds, that seems to me like a, such a long time, but it doesn't seem like that uh, long at all. I remember asking uh, her dad uh, if I could marry his daughter. And uh, we went on a walk around the block, and uh, I was fumbling over my words, and I was trying to talk, and I was, you know, uh, I, you, you know, I, I, I just, uh, I, you know, I love you, and, um, you know, I love your family, and I love your, I love your daughter, I do, I do, I really, really love your daughter. I remember, I think back on it, I remember looking at his face, and his face just screaming, get out with it, son, you know, come on. Can can you know, is it, is it cool, you know, if I, <laughs> can I marry your daughter? And he just throws his arm around me. He goes, yeah, come on in here. And so uh, a little while later, not long after that, he, he said, come here, Joel, I want to show you something. So he takes me down to the den of the house and he turns on the TV and he turns on a movie and he fast forwards. Uh, uh, it's this old movie. It's called Shenandoah. Uh, it's got uh, Jimmy Stewart starring Jimmy Stewart in it. And um, so he fast forwards. He goes, here, come here, sit down. I want to show you something. I said, okay. And um, so he fast forwards and he gets to this part and it's set near the Civil War and uh, Jimmy Stewart is the patriarch of the family and his wife has already passed away. He has six sons and one daughter. And um, this boy is in the room and Jimmy Stewart is sitting in the chair and uh, he's got, if I remember right, he's got a gun on this side and a pipe on this side rocking in his rocking chair. And this boy comes in to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage. It's his only daughter and six sons. And um, so he's standing there, and he's fumbling over his words, and he asks if he, if he could <clears throat> marry his daughter. And, and those of you guys that know Jimmy Stewart, I'm not going to pretend to do the voice, uh, but he goes, uh, well, tell me this. Do you like her? And uh, he goes, well, well, sir, I already told you. I, I, I love her. I, I love your daughter. And he goes, I didn't ask you if you loved her. I said, do you like her? There's a difference between liking and loving. He said, you see, I, you know, Jenny's mom, I, I liked her a good three years before uh, uh, after we were married, before one day I just woke up and I thought, you know what, I, I think I love her. And he said, there's a big difference between liking and loving. He said, you see, if you love a woman without liking her first, you'll wake up one day cold and lonely. And contempt comes up with the sun. And Mark pauses the movie. <laughs> he looks over at me and he goes, Joel, do you like her? And then he just busted out laughing because we couldn't hold it in. <laughs> we hear, uh, we see and hear the word love all the time. Uh, all kinds of different definitions and different levels of understanding of love. A 22-year-old's level of understanding of love is not quite the same as the soon-to-be father-in-law's understanding of love. And uh, there's, there's a big difference there. And so we hear uh, different understandings of love all the time. We love everything. We tell our parents we love them, we tell our kids we love them, we tell our dog we love them, and we love, we love everything, but there's different levels of understanding. We're in a sermon series called I Am in the book of Ephesians. If you've been following along, uh, it has been, it's been so rich, it's been so good. Um, I imagine some of you guys, your new favorite book of the Bible is now Ephesians after hearing some of the messages by Pastor Jay. It's just, it's so rich. And so we've learned that I am... Uh, blessed. Uh, if, if you missed the very first message in this series, I encourage you to go back. It gives a great, great introduction to the entire series. 
I'm blessed. I am victorious. I'm alive. I am reconciled. Last week, I'm called. And this week, we're talking about I am loved. The passage is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And uh, read along with me. Paul is preaching from prison. And he's talking to the Ephesians uh, in, in general, all, all of the Christians at that time. And so he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now you don't get this in the English, but in the Greek this is one giant prayer. It reads one long continuous prayer to, uh, to God for these Ephesians. So, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, now listen to this, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we seek, than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So why would Paul think the Ephesians... Why would he think that they don't grasp the full scope of God's love? They're already Christians. They're already believers. They've been Christians for some time, most of them. And yet he says, my prayer is that you would grasp the incredible richness, the length, the breadth, the depth, the absolute magnitude of God's love for you. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, if you've been a how many of you guys, you, you were, you came to faith when you were a child in Sunday school or children's church or some kind of in church when you were a child. I'd, I'd love to see your hand. Yeah. How many of you came to faith when you were either a teenager or later on? Yeah. Whether you came to faith when you were a child or whether you came to faith as an adult, the very first thing that you learn is that Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's the very first thing that we learn. Jesus loves us. And usually at that moment, when we realize how amazing his love is for us, it's overwhelming and, and there's a response from us. And it is to your level of understanding as a child or as an adult, whatever I have to give, God, I give to you. I, I'm going to live for you. Your love is too, too much for me. It's too great. And so there's a response and it's the very first thing that we ever learn. But somewhere along the line, we uh, oftentimes begin to doubt that. We begin to doubt, there's some level of doubt, God's uh, love for us. Not that he does love us or could love us, but maybe the level of love that he has for us. So, for example, um, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've, uh, you've come to church before after missing a week or two or three uh, or more of church, and you come in and you sit down and and you're ready to worship, you're ready to be in the service, and all of a sudden, all this guilt comes on you, and, and you think, man, I, I, oh, I, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. I mean, I, I'm, 
you know, God, I'm not even sure he likes me anymore. And you think God's just like looking down at you going like, what are you doing here? You just missed like three weeks of church. You, what you, you, have you ever felt, you don't have to raise your hand, have you ever felt that before? That's, that's doubting the depth of God's love for us based on what, his, what we presume to be his expectations for us. Or how many of you have ever been standing in worship and you're sitting there and you're clapping your hands or you're just about to maybe even raise your hand to worship God and all of a sudden you remember something you've done or you've said earlier that day or earlier that week and all of a sudden you have this thought, you don't deserve to be able to raise your hand. Don't you, don't you raise your hand. Don't you start singing out loud. And we're doubting the depth of God's love for us. Because if the Ephesians are anything like us, then their understanding of God's love at best is diluted and at worst is out and out wrong. Or we're just missing the, the level of it. And so Paul's prayer is, look, I get it. You're already believers. Many of you in here are already believers. But look, if you're going to go anywhere in your relationship with Jesus, I want this, this is my prayer and I want this to be answered again and again and again, which is I want you to continually grasp the depth, the richness, the length of God's love that he has for us. I think um, uh, there are some, there's some, oftentimes there's some difficulties that come in place uh, that, that block us from understanding the depth of God's love. A lot of times they're just wrong perceptions uh, of God's love for us. And uh, so I have a few of them. If you're writing notes, they're, they're, they're surely not exhaustive, but a lot of times... Um, with us, many people who maybe have grown up in the church or have been coming to church for some time, uh, we develop wrong perceptions of God's love. And what happens is when we come to faith, we go, man, Jesus loves me. This is so awesome. And then in time, we uh, oftentimes can get these blocked perceptions and it creates distance between us and God. Not because of God, but because of our wrong thinking because of our wrong thoughts. So this morning, we want to think about our thoughts. We want to think the thoughts that we think when we're thinking thoughts. All right, so think about it. All right, a couple wrong perceptions of God's love. The first one is this. We perceive God, our heavenly father, oftentimes to be like our own earthly father. Now, whether you had a good dad or a bad dad or an absent dad or whatever block you want to place your own father in, oftentimes uh, whatever shortcomings they had, we will project them onto our heavenly father. It doesn't matter how good our earthly father is, we, we tend to do that. So if you, if, if you grew up and your dad wasn't around, it's possible and it's probably likely that when you're going through a difficult time uh, in life, you may find it difficult to trust that God really is there when you need him, that he really is present with you. And that could be a difficulty, and that could be a hurdle of uh, jumping over that because we tend to perceive a lot of times God, our heavenly father, in a lot of the same ways that we have our own earthly father. Even more than that, our best analogy that we have at how much God loves us, some of you guys may have even said this before, is how much, those of you that have children, how much you love your own kids. Remember, remember that moment where, you, where it just hit you, where you just thought, oh my goodness, I, I, I love this kid. It's, it was probably while he was sleeping, 
all right? Or, but you, it hit that, you're at that moment and you go, oh my goodness, I just want to squeeze them. And you go, man, I, I love this little thing. Even our best analogy that we have at how much God loves us, He must love us that much, even more, just completely fails in comparison. Because there are times when we, uh, earthly parents or grandparents or uncles or aunts or whatever, a lot of times we still have, you know, our love can be conditional. Maybe I'm just, you know, speaking about myself, uh, you know, the imperfect parent that I am. Sometimes my love tends to be momentarily conditional. You know, I can be disappointed in their actions. Uh, I can become very frustrated in the moment at what's going on. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking very generally. I don't want to get specific in this area. <laughs> but I, I, I can, in the moment, it can be uh, less than Christ-like. Very less than Christ-like. And so our best analogy that we have at God's love for us, even then, completely fails in comparison to how much God truly loves us. And so we have... A, sometimes a wrong perception. So if you have that perception of God that he is just like our own parents, it, it doesn't even compare. Um, I think another one is this. Oftentimes with people in this culture, around here, around in the South, can view God as perpetually angry. We misunderstand God because of fear. I remember uh, uh, I was growing up and we went to, uh, I was in church and when I was younger, we did a drama at our church called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Uh, those of you that have been around a long time, you guys, you guys remember Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames? All right, basically it was this. You had some people in your church volunteer to be in this drama, and um, somebody would be God, somebody would be Satan, and then everybody, each story that would come up, each person that would come up, it was judgment seat, and they would either go to heaven or they would go to hell. And so, of course, I'm younger, and uh, uh, just I'm not in the, I'm not in the drama, I'm just uh, watching, you know, at a distance. And uh, my brother uh, is playing Satan. Um, it's fitting. And um, I remember watching, I'm sitting in the pew, and I look and I go, here is my brother who's playing Satan, and he's like, oh, just crazy, satanic and everything. And, uh, and then my mom and my sister who are playing this part in, in the play, they don't get to go to heaven. Uh, instead, I watch my brother scream at my own mom. To, to his demonic minions, get that mommy and get her daughter too and bring her with us. And I just have this picture in my mind of this drama of my mom and my sister going off to the wrong side over here to not heaven. And so, I, so I, that's, it, it, was, it was, you know, kind of fun at the time. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this is, no, this is, that's what it's going to be like. And I'm in, in sheer terror of this God of what he's going to do to me if I make one, one wrong step. And, uh, you know, that's a wrong perception. That's a wrong perception that, that, that comes from a lot of different things, not just from heaven's gates and hell's flames, but from uh, all kinds of different things. And if, and if we have that perception, what happens is, instead of running to a loving God, we tend to shy away from him or we take a step back from him, or we move in the wrong direction. Notice God's never moved, only we have, and we create this distance because we are afraid. First John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. This is, this is such a good verse. Um, if, if you love God, 
because you are afraid to go to hell, then you don't love Him because you don't know Him. If, it, if your love is based on fear alone, then there's no love there. So this is First John. John says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I think when we truly love God, when we truly have right, the right per- perception of the length and breadth and depth of God's love for us, then it is okay when we make mistakes because we will and you will when we are in that spot where we think normally a normal parent would be disappointed, a normal parent would be angry, a normal person would be furiously angry with us, instead you take a step toward God because that's where you belong. That's, that is the depth and the richness of God's love for you and for me. So uh, the, the third one is this. We perceive God to be perpetually often disappointed in us listen to this I don't think God can be disappointed in us because disappointment has to do with unmet expectations and if I understand scripture right Jesus has met all the expectations that there are and oftentimes what creates distance between me and God's love is when I think he's disappointed in me and so what do I do God doesn't change what do I do I go, he's disappointed in me. I I don't deserve to be near him. And we take a step back. Somebody said this one time, for his love is never, never, never based on our performance, never conditioned by our moods of elation or depression. The furious love of God knows no shadow of alteration or change. It is reliable and always tender. Believing God is perpetually disappointed in you does nothing but you remove your own self away from him. God would never step back away from you. His love is so incredibly rich and deep. The fourth one is, I think oftentimes we believe our circumstances reflect God's love for us. Whether we have, we're in really good circumstances or whether we have really, really poor circumstances whether things are going really, really well around us or things are going very, very poorly around us. Oftentimes we can even, even unconsciously equate that with our own relationship with God and we think we must, not be, we must not be right. He must be angry. He must be disappointed. He must be this. He must be that. But remember when Paul even, has, even is writing this, where is he writing this from? In prison. Paul is in jail talking about, I wish that you could grasp how incredibly rich God's love is for you. And that, that, if you take a second and think about it, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. He's in prison going, I, there's nothing like grasping the depth of God's love and I want you to do it more than anything in the world so that you can be full of the fullness of God. And I'm writing this to you from prison. And by our standards, especially around here, especially in America, oftentimes we can unconsciously look and we go, man, that's, God must not be near. Or we look at our own self and we go, God must not be near. 
You cannot judge God's love based on your circumstances. You should not judge God's love for you based on your circumstances, or you'll be wrong. Or you'll be wrong. You need to judge God's love for you based on His Word. And if you read His Word, and if you dig in, and if you study it, you'll realize, you'll start to have these thoughts, and you'll go, wait a second, this, this Word doesn't line up with this thought. That doesn't, that doesn't fit, so what am I going to choose? Which one, which one do I pick? So how do we have the right perception? How do we have right thoughts about God's love for us? Because you, you will inevitably doubt how, he, how rich His love is for you. The answer is always this. It's the Sunday school answer. The answer is Jesus. You always look to Jesus. You always interpret everything through Jesus. You interpret everything in your life through Him. What, do, what, is, what is His response? Well, the, word, the, the Bible is full of stories of how Jesus responded and showed His love. The, the, the Jacobs this morning talked about sharing stories with the people around them because it was the most powerful thing. It just works. It just works. I'm going to share stories of God's love because that's what works. I'm not going to give bullet point, uh, you know, Western thoughts. You know, here, God is this. He's omnipotent. He's, um, we're not doing that. All right. We're going to share a story. So what are some stories? I, uh, you know, one that comes to my mind is when Jesus is, uh, finds out his friend Lazarus dies. And so what does he do before he raises him from the dead? The shortest verse in the Bible, he wept. Jesus cried. He cried. He wept. He was about to raise him from the dead. But if you dig into the passage and you really allow yourself to be there, you look and you go, man, he's weeping with his friends. He, he, man, he loves those people that are near to him. I, th- there's uh, another place. Man, I, could, I could list a hundred of them. Another place Jesus is telling a story of what God's love is like. Because a lot of people at that time, a lot of religious leaders had falsely stated what his love looked like. So Jesus tells a story about a man who has two sons. One of the sons looks at his father and goes, I don't like you anymore. I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. And what does the father do? He gives him his inheritance and he sends him on his way. The son leaves. You guys know the story of the prodigal son. The son leaves. He desecrates his family's name spends all his money on wild living and craziness, and then comes to his senses after living in a mud pit with pigs and goes, man, if I just go home, maybe my, maybe my father will allow me to be a servant again. On his way home, his dad, who finds out that he's on his way home and he's all the way still in town, takes off running, chases after him, gets to his son in the middle of the street and catches him before what modern day could happen. Uh, at, at that time, what could happen is he could be Uh, killed for what he did to his family, Um, but instead catches him in the middle of the road, throws a robe around him, says, I love you. You're not going to be a servant. You're going to be a son. I'm going to throw a party for you. Come on back. You're you're back in. You're back in. And everybody around listening to Jesus' story is going, that's not how it goes. That's not how, because the modern, the, the story that was told at that time didn't end that way. It was a common story that ended with actually the son, the, uh, becoming a servant again. But Jesus changed it. But if you judge God's love for you based on your own thoughts, a lot of times we're going to come up short because we have wrong perceptions that come in all over the place. So you look at stories in Scripture and you, and you latch onto them and you grab hold of them and you hold tight of them because doubts will come, difficulties will come, trials will come. Paul's writing from prison and he goes, look, recognize my circumstances and then listen to me. I, my, my greatest prayer for you is that you would know how rich God's love is. It passes far past all your circumstances. So I am loved. 
So what do I do? If you don't, if you don't write anything else, if you, don't, if you don't remember anything else about this morning, I want you to remember this. So what do you do? I'm loved, and so I love. I'm loved, and so I love. Um, I, uh, I, had, I, I had a, several examples about uh, how we are to show our love, but I, the truth is, is I think um, the, just you guys sitting up here this morning, uh, the Jacobs uh, sitting up here this morning and being interviewed by, by Pastor Clark, and you guys hearing their story of, of their response to God's own love uh, for you guys by going and leaving and going overseas and doing whatever you can do, whatever, whatever, whatever God shows you to do, however he shows you that you can share his love, you step into that, um, that, that's, that that's our job that we recognize God's love for us and it doesn't matter what it is or where it is or what's going on, that we would leave our own comfort zone. Some of us can leave our jobs, many of us cannot. But we can leave and we are called to leave our own comfortable spots, our comfort zone, and step out and go, what do I do with this love that God's given me? I have to give it. Because if you don't, you're going to grow stagnant and nasty and it is not meant God's love for you is not meant to be kept it's meant to be given you are loved so that you can love and as you are filled with the fullness of God just as Paul said I pray that you would grasp the depth of his love so that you'll be filled with the fullness of God as you are filled with the fullness of his love the way you continually are filled is you continually give. You continually share his love. You continually show God's love uh, that he has shown you. Uh, if you would, if, if everybody, would, if you would just stand up, uh, we're going to close in prayer. Um, uh, the, if the prayer team would come up here to the front, I'm going to, we're going to pray with some of you in here this morning. Uh, in just a minute, we'll dismiss the rest of you guys. Um, it, is, it, is, it is the easiest and the most difficult topic to ever talk about, God's love. It's the first thing you learn about when you come to faith, but it's oftentimes the first thing that can uh, get twisted or become doubted in your own life. And so it's really easy for me to stand up and say, man, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. But it's very difficult for us to grasp it. In fact, it's impossible. In fact, I think that's heaven. To me, I think when we are with Jesus, we will, we will be continually uh, um, given revelation after revelation and realization after realization of the depth of God's love again and again and again. And that's Paul's prayer. I pray that you would realize, you would grasp the ridiculous, furious, relentless love of God. And through that, you would be changed and you would share it. So if you would close your eyes there, I, I do want to pray with you this morning. I think, um, I think there may be two, two kinds of people in here this morning uh, that I want to pray for. The first one is, uh, I think some of you just have a, some wrong perceptions of God's love for you. And it has created distance between you and God. He's never left, but the perception that you have of his love for you has created distance. 
if that's you and you say, Joel, I just, I don't want the distance anymore. I want to trust God's love for me. I just want to trust again. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real, real high, and then you can put it back down. Real high, and then put it back down. Yeah. I wonder if there's anyone else in here who would say, you might have a wrong perception of God's love for others. And instead, you realize, man, God loves me, but instead you've kept it. You just kept it because it's more comfortable to keep it rather than share it. And you would just say, Joel, I've kept this love. I've not shared this love. And I've, and I've realized I need to make a change. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand real, real high. And then you could put it down. I've kept it and I've not shared it. Let me pray for you and then if you raised your hand you're welcome to come up here and find a, someone to pray, to pray with God we love you this morning Lord I thank you for your message God I pray that it would be true God I pray that out of your glorious riches you would strengthen this church with your power through your spirit so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith I pray God that they would being rooted and established in love would have power together with all the Lord's holy people that we would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, I pray that that prayer would be answered this morning. We love you this morning. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning. If you need prayer, please, please come up here. We'd love to pray with you.